0: The buzz with bernie is back and economic development guru bernie maybank is with
1: us and ready to go you fired up new legislative session underway i am indeed and uh, some question how it'll proceed but we have a new session in front of us that's right you know uh, in
0: reading within hours of just convening of course santee cooper was high on the agenda ways and means committee there advanced legislation that would impose reform and oversight measures on the state-owned utility Um, from Santee Cooper to tax reform, bridging bridging the digital divide. Our next guest is here to sort it all out and to talk about what this legislative session will look like. Uh, Mark Harmon is a governmental affairs advisor based in Columbia, a member of Nexen Pruitt, South Carolina's public policy and governmental affairs team. Prior to joining us at Nixon Pruitt, Mark was the Executive Director of the South Carolina Petroleum Council. He also worked as Vice President of Governmental Affairs and Public Policy for the South Carolina Chamber of Commerce. We, we appreciate your time here well, today, Mark.
2: I'm very happy to be here, Kara. So and he's he's
1: our only member of Nixon Pruitt who has a degree in ceramics, I would say. Uh, ceramic engineering uh, from,
0: that's right.
2: from Clemson University, yes.
0: A, a whole different, yeah, kind of <laughs> ceramics, <laughs> yes, not not the pottery, we'll the engineering. We won't get into that, yeah. <laughs>
2: but it's a circuitous route to government and politics, yeah.
0: For sure, it's good to be well-rounded. <laughs> and of course, I wasn't going to go there, but since we're starting out on a light note, when I first moved to the Columbia area and I worked at a local television station, mm-hmm. um, Mark Harmon, the guy who like named himself after you, <laughs> right. um, used to come into town, and Joe Pinner, who's a big local personality, used to do the weather in Columbia, he and Mark Harmon, the actor, would come together and have this fundraising um baseball or softball yes, tournament yeah,
2: I, I do i've heard a lot about it i was not in yeah. columbia at the time but yes i, yeah. I get the the mark Harmon reference a lot uh, I, I, I tell people sure. that i you know just without the money or the good looks
0: oh uh, <laughs> no 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 and i'm sorry i had to bring us down no, that no, road no, but no, we'll no. move away from ncis and dissect <laughs> the legislative agenda a little bit and as i sure. mentioned earlier um let's get right to Santee Cooper because legislators are getting to it. Um, give us a little behind-the-scenes look at what are you hearing?
2: Sure, It's. I mean it is the number one issue on, on tap for this year. The, the House Ways and Means, as you referenced, was immediate in their uh, addressing of the issue. They came in directly and with the intent of taking it up before they even got on their, the budget, which is uh, obviously another Major piece of legislation that is is required that the state pass every year. Uh, so we immediately went in and started talking about Santee Cooper, and really, the, the, it comes down to two issues: whether to sell Santee Cooper the asset in whole or in part or in piecemeal, or uh, to reform it and, and keep it as it is, but with you know new standards and um, regulations to oversee the the operations of Santee Cooper. So. What the House Ways and Means Committee has passed out already. Uh, it's a, it will be on the floor of the House for debate in, in a couple weeks. But uh, that, that measure proposes to set up a committee of three House members and three senators uh, to be decided upon um, in the future. But that, that committee would conceivably look at the sale of Santee Cooper. And as leading into this year, we had a pre- previous uh, proposal on the table from NextEra Energy. They had actually, I guess would be conceived as the winning bid uh, as the Department of Administration ruled upon last year. Uh, they, they took all bidders, uh, they kind of dissected all the, the proposals and, and, uh, and chose NextEra as the most promising bid and put that before the, the General Assembly. Well, what the House proposed to do this this past week was to actually you know take that preferred bid or status off of next era and basically open up everything. So that that's in the legislation as it passed out of of ways and means when it when but it also goes a lot further and it, it, it you know contemplates well, if there is no sale, what do we do with next uh, with, um, with Santy Cooper? And so it has a number of reform is, uh, initiatives in there and essentially, would allow the, the Public Service Commission to have a lot more oversight into Sandy Cooper and the operations and be it rate increases, uh, allowing for public input, appeals of decisions and that sort of thing and also where Santee Cooper can cite their new projects or new generation facilities.
0: I I think some of the issue there, too, I I know at least one reform Mm -hmm. uh, option was shot down because some called it kind of window dressing, but this is going to be an issue that's going to to dominate the news, so a little bit of insight there. Um, Bernie, I know you're talking about uh, one measure that's about to expire that a lot of folks are talking about.
1: Yep, it's the abandoned building uh, tax credit, which has been very important. uh, It's worked marvelously, It like a lot of uh, tax credit bills, it has a sunset uh, proviso and it sunsets this year. So if you're a developer, and, and a lot of times the, the, the dollars don't work on development projects without that credit, but obviously if you're a developer, you're going to go very slow not knowing if that credit is going to be renewed or not. Any, any prediction on whether they're going to give that a priority?
2: Well, a prediction, I can tell you that the bill has already been introduced. It was pre-filed this year, uh, leading into session by Senator Scott Talley of Spartanburg. And, you know, yes, you, you mentioned it's been very critical for the redevelopment of a number of areas across the state. Um, and and so it is is something that is is on the minds of, of the leadership in both the House and Senate. And I would expect you'll see some movement that the bill that proposed by Senator Talley would extend it out. That sunset that you mentioned out to 2025. So, give some certainty to developers when they're looking at where they want to to build, and if and in the case of uh, abandoned buildings, being able to to make the dollars work, as you say, and, right. and that's a, that's key for this. So, yes, sir.
1: And, uh, and they're gonna to have to make it a, a priority status, is, but to most legislators, it's fairly mundane. Do you, do you anticipate them trying to give it some sort of priority status?
2: I, I would think so. Uh, you, you also have to realize that the money tied to this is essentially contingent every year. The bud, it has to be budgeted within the Annual Appropriations Act. So the extending the credit, the, the ability of the legislature to provide the credit is key and yes it has to be done this year otherwise it will sunset and getting back to those in the development world have to know it's going to be there and right. yeah, I do I do believe that there'll be some priority put to it.
0: And, and with that being said to you I mean I know we're just getting started and it's a weird year with the pandemic um, but are there voices behind the scenes from what you're hearing or seeing? Uh, are people paying attention to that and, and sometimes you know that squeaky wheel right?
2: Of course yeah I mean I think excuse me there's going to be uh dealing with covid and trying to operate as normally as possible um and and taking up you know you know a number of issues it's it's going to be a balancing act how do you do it and you do it safely with with everything that's going on i think these are it's going they're going to have to prioritize and i think the legislative leadership are, are kind of know that, and and it's, the, and it's our job to help them uh, kind of find those squeaky wheels sometimes, um, and 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 hopefully address them in a in a expeditious manner. So I think we we'll see that, and you know, in a truncated session, that you won't see as many meetings or as many bills that are coming through, uh, but that that one would be up on the list.
1: One one last thing on Santee Cooper, obviously in my domain. Santee Cooper, as a state agency, pays very little taxes. They actually do pay some taxes, uh, established in 1942, and I, I don't think that number has gone up. But they don't pay property taxes. But by contrast, SCNG was the largest property taxpayer in South Carolina. If Santee Cooper were sold the next era or another private company, the the tax payments that new entity would have to make would be huge. As I sure. say, Santee sc is the largest property taxpayer in the state. So that's good for state government, and that's good for local government, but rates, by definition, would have to increase tremendously. Has the General Assembly discussed that aspect of it?
2: Yeah, I do think it's a balancing act. Yes, they know that Santee Cooper is an asset for the state, and it's also uh, the rates, at least uh, on the the retail customer side, are, are pretty you know, competitive, you know, at least in relation to the southeast. So, yeah, that's that's something that they are talking about. And ultimately, yeah, it's a it's you have to decide which uh, wh- what's the better investment long term for South Carolina.
0: Um, we talked a little bit about COVID and the South Carolina Developers Association, SCADA, released their agenda. We're starting to see agendas, legislative agendas being released. And of course, um, COVID-19 business liability mm-hmm. protection is on their agendas and, and the agenda of many others. Where do we stand with that? What are people saying? Where do we see it going?
1: And, and surprisingly, South Carolina is one of only three southeastern states that doesn't have it. Florida, West Virginia, and South <coughs> Carolina.
2: Well I think, uh, as, as it happens, the bill was introduced yesterday, uh, that being uh, January 14th, and Uh, Representative Tommy Pope uh, introduced the bill on the House side. I would expect a a companion bill in the Senate to be coming soon. Uh, Last year, with the kind of in and out of session, that we weren't really able to to really get into uh, actually addressing it. There were several committees studying the the issue uh, that went on for several weeks, but when the time came... Uh, the, the the House and Senate were only in session for a few days towards the end of the year, and we're we're n- not able to take it up. Uh, but this year, again, putting it out at the beginning of the session is going to give a little bit of time and a, an opportunity to prioritize and allow for both sides, uh, proponents and opponents of the bill, to come together and, and hopefully generate some compromise. And I think, you know, they, we were close to to getting there last year, and at the end of the at the end of the day, it just, we didn't have enough time. Uh, but I, I feel like you'll see, again, on the list of priorities, it's certainly gonna be uh, one gets a lot of attention. And uh, hopefully hopefully we can see some movement there.
1: But neither neither House nor Senate passed it last year. Correct. So by definition, it, it didn't go anywhere at all. But no, you anticipate no. something more this year.
2: I, I, I would anticipate it, it getting through uh, the, the excuse me the house where it's been introduced, I think that the lo- the likelihood of that is pretty high. Um, once it gets to the Senate, the more deliberative body of the two um, where the rules can kind of dictate um, how how a bill is uh, passed or wh- whether it's passed or not, uh, I think you may, I uh, may see it slow down over there, but I do believe it'll at least get, get over the ha- hurdle in the House.
1: Okay. Then uh, on the tax side, um, Tommy Pope is reintroduced his sales and income tax reform plans, and those bills were put together by a committee appointed by the Speaker, what, almost four years ago. And on the income tax side, it basically has one rate for everybody, so it simplifies it. On the sales tax side, it repeals a few exemptions, not many, but it subjects, uh, subjects a whole bunch of services to sales tax, and as a result of submitting a whole bunch of services to sales tax, the rate has dropped to 3%. Do you, do you anticipate that, Bill? Obviously, it's got its proponents and opponents. Do you anticipate it going anywhere?
2: I mean, as you mentioned, the, the, that issue, both of them, sales and income tax, have been studied for quite a few years now, and, and Representative Pope's done in his committee that the speaker put together has, has done a great job of, kind of taking all those pieces together and trying to prioritize and and, and put together bills that are good economic policy for the state. Uh, the likelihood, again, I would reference going back to the the topsy turviness of our our session that we're we're getting into, and the fact that COVID is still a dominating issue. Uh, something of that magnitude in a in an, in an time of the economic uncertainty that I guess we're in, it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty difficult to see a lot of movement on that this year because, just because of the fact that, you know, we don't really know how long-term the fiscal affairs of the state are going to look, you know, whether revenue is going to continue along at a, I guess it, it's been fairly steady. We haven't seen significant drops Uh, like some other states may have, but at the same time, do you want to go change, you know, wholesale economic policy, uh, you know, tax policy in a time like now? I'm not sure that that it could ultimately get through this year, but, you know, again, it's something that's been worked on and I believe, you know, eventually it'll have its day, but I'm just not sure about this year. Mark,
0: you alluded to it. I mean, it's tough. For folks to come together and get things done in a normal time right and and now we have all of these hurdles i am assuming um that makes voices like yours even more important to to people around the state and in the country and the world um what do you see i mean are you optimistic that we are going to see forward movement outside of covid related right,
2: issues? right right yeah I, again i think you'll see some movement on santee cooper you know that is Number one, one A, whatever you want to call it. I think we have to do something. I think the the Senate and the House feel like they have to do something, whether it be reform or, you know, going down the road of initiating a sale. Um, and as far as other issues, I think the more controversial they are, be it changing wholesale tax policy, you know, the likelihood is is going to be minimal. Uh, but. You're going to see some things like maybe an abandoned buildings tax credit that most people can get behind and, you know, has been in place for a while and, and you re, you really need to just renew it. Uh, I think you can see things of that nature. Broadband. Go through broadband. You know, some infrastructure issues that, uh, you know, you can you can see those getting through this year. But, yeah, if there's uh, any modicum of controversy around it, I, I, I kind of see – It's going to be hard to get some through.
1: And then uh, the South Carolina Manufacturers Alliance is is very interested in in preserving the unemployment trust fund. So unemployment uh, payments of unemployment to unemployed people have two aspects. One is when a business lays off, its unemployment insurance rate goes up and can go up dramatically. South Carolina uh, had already in place a statute that says that if you lay off during a time of a national or state emergency, that doesn't count. So that South Carolina was a, one of the relatively rare states that had that in 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 place. But the second a- aspect of it is is the trust fund itself, and obviously it's been depleted. U.S. Congress has has replenished it. What do you see in terms of un- the unemployment trust fund? And, and if, if it's depleted, you know, the state, that's the first aspect of borrowing money, but the second aspect is raising everybody's rates to pay right. for it.
2: Yeah, and so this all goes back to, I believe is the 0809 09 recession um, that really triggered a lot of that, that. Those, the changes that you mentioned about the national emergencies and, and not uh, seeing increased rates for those being laid off during those times. You know, we had already been through our own little mini, uh, mini uh, emergency with that with the trust fund back in 08, 09, it would actually got to the point where we had to borrow about $2 billion from the federal government, which we ultimately paid back, uh, it actually just wrapped up about two years ago where we finally paid off all the debt and fully replenished the trust fund only to see COVID come and, you know, snap, you know, Half of it's gone in a, in a split second. But as you mentioned, the federal government's you know, put through the CARE Stimulus Act, put more money back into the states, and, and our state was wise enough to put a lot of those dollars towards the Unemployment Trust Fund. Looks like there's going to be another round of, of, I guess, stimulus, if you will, coming from the federal government. So I think, on the, at least on the near term, you're, gonna, you're not going to see a real adjustment of rates. Uh, I don't think there'll be a, a need. Um, at least not now, and hopefully, um, hopefully, as we see ourselves transition out of the you know the pandemic, uh, get people back to work at a, you know more normal rate. And yes, I mean it. When the when the trust fund goes down, there are triggers in there that are you know intended to raise rates on uh, on the businesses that are doing the laying off. But in this case, there are protections because in a lot of cases. Was no fault of the business.
1: Then on the budget, so the state budget, the state is on a fiscal year, not a calendar year. It ends on June June the 30th. So we're about half. We're a little slightly more than halfway through it. The, the state very prudently uh, didn't adopt a new budget last year. They just rolled over the prior budget. So we actually didn't have a, a deficit. There was no right. mid-year budget cuts. They uh, they handled it very well. What do you What do you predict uh, for the budget this year? Will there be any new money, uh, and will the General Assembly even appropriate new money if they have it?
2: Uh, yeah, there is intended to be by by revenue estimates, some new money, mostly one time, as in the is here for this year, don't know if it'll be, be there next year. Um, but we actually have to deal with uh, some things in the current budget year, which you mentioned, uh, continuing resolution was passed last year, and um, I guess around May, the, before session technically ended the first time. And so that, that continuing resolution that we're operating under now, uh, they do want to tweak some of the things that they didn't get to do, um, and one of which would be uh, step increases for teacher salaries, uh, which are you know actually promised under statute, uh, contingent upon funding. But in this case, they they did not uh, they didn't put the step increase in in the fall when they came back to wrap things up. And the intent, the House actually uh, uh, took up a bill this week that would. You know, take $50 million out of the contingency reserve fund for that very reason to, to actually fund the step increases for the current year, ending June 30th, which you mentioned. For next year starting June, July 1, yeah, I think you're going to see a very modest conservative budget, not like you know, Chairman of Ways and Means, Merle Smith and Senate, Senator Leatherman and Senate Finance did a wonderful job of making sure that we didn't overstep in, in times of uncertainty, and I think you'll see the same thing. You know, they we also we also have very good uh, budget analysts, revenue estimates coming in, and I think we want to be conservative. Uh, we all do, as taxpayers and and business people in the in the state, and I think. We have a good stewards in, right. in Representative one, Smith. One last question Center in 11.
1: that regard. Uh, Governor McMaster unveiled his executive budget uh, a few days ago. Historically, both the president's budget and the governor's budget are dead on arrival. The legislative right. bodies pay no attention. Hasn't Governor McMaster, though, had a little bit better luck with his executive budget?
2: I, I feel that's a very good characterization. He has, I think, done a better job than most of actually trying to you know work with the house and senate in developing some of his initiatives as opposed to you know blindsiding the legislature laying something out there that maybe they haven't been you know read in on or bought in on so i think the governor governor mcmaster is a very savvy negotiator in that way and uh, he's done a good job and i think there are some aspects of his budget that that you'll see get some traction this year yes sir
1: And Carrie, you didn't know this, but I was in, the Maybank Mm -hmm. Amendment was in President Obama's budget two or three years. A a, a Senate, U.S. Senate Finance Staffer heard my speech to the Senate Finance Subcommittee related to conservation easement deductions for golf courses. (laughs) So I was told I was in the Obama budget for two or three years. Wow, that is interesting.
0: (laughs) Um, I learned things outside of the normal scope about this man. Um, from honey harvesting to the Maybank Amendment.
2: Well, and Bernie Bucks. When I was coming (laughs) along, we called them Bernie Bucks. Those are the ones the Department of Revenue went and found.
0: That is Unpaid awesome.
2: taxes, right?
0: That is awesome. Well, yeah. we really appreciate your time yeah, and your you. insight. I know it's going to be a crazy year, so we hope you'll come back in and check in with us again. Mark Harmon is a governmental affairs advisor based here in Columbia and is a member of Nexon Pruitt, South Carolina Public Policy and Governmental Affairs Team. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us for this episode of The Buzz with Bernie. See you next time.